You are listening to a Spoken Word Ministries podcast. Our heart is to proclaim the gospel and equip believers for ministry. If you're interested in learning more about our ministry, go to www.swma.ca. You can also find us on Facebook. Now sit back and enjoy this message. God Almighty, we tell you we love you. We thank you for your mercy for us. And we truly do this morning. We ask that you would send laborers into the harvest. Father, we think about the things that need to be let go of. We think about the things that hold us back. We think about the things that compete in us for our dedication to you. Father, I think about the things that sometimes look just surely impossible, and yet you make all things possible. So we invite you, take hold of our hearts. Father, call us, draw us, take us into that harvest field and send more into the harvest field along with us. God, we thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So it says um, in in chapter 9 of Luke, verse 57, as they journeyed on the road, someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He then said to another, follow me. But, but the man said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to them, uh, or said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So this whole idea of, uh, of following God and being sent out by God, this is sort of an interesting thing because, you know, in one of the things that stood out for me, I think back to when I was a young pastor uh, in my first church, and I learned this one morning, and some of you probably heard me tell the stories. I don't know where I tell all my stories, and I tell them repetitively, right? But uh, anyway, I walked into the church one morning, and this lady walks up to me, and she says, Pastor, I'm going to leave the church. I just want to let you know before I do it, right? And I was so ticked off of that because it was like I gotta preach and now and now you put that in my head just before I preach, right? My preaching, you know, I'm always looking for more people to come into the church and you just told me you're leaving. So anyway, what came out of my mouth was, well it's time for you to grow up then, you know? And um and I then I sort of choked and I'm thinking to myself, Did I actually say that? And she's choking on her false teeth and she's going, you know, did he actually say that? Actually, I don't think she had false teeth, but she sort of looked like it at the time. <clears throat> anyway, and, and and she's like, we're we're both like, did he actually say? Yeah, yeah, I actually said that. So uh, anyway, the next thing coming out, out of my mouth was, uh, I said, well, why? Well, she says, because I'm not getting what I need here. And um, I said, okay, well, you know what? Tell you what, before you leave, uh, there was a little more to the story than that, but basically. Before you leave, I said, I want you to give me six weeks. And instead of coming to church for what you can get, you know, she was coming in, standing on the back, at the back uh, wall, waiting for people to come in and welcome her and all that kind of stuff. And nobody was, you know, people do what people do in church. They walk in, they see their friends, they go visit with their friends. They don't mean to leave people out. They just, they, they just do. Anyway, so I said, give me six weeks. I said, you're coming now to give, not to get. And this this represented a shift in this woman's spiritual walk. 
it was uh, a deliberate shift. <clears throat> and um, I realized that I had to teach her how to make this shift. We, when we follow Jesus, there's a time in our lives when we shift from the feeding element, like a child does, right? The child is there to be fed. You know, mom, give me this, give me this, give me this. And there comes a time when now we start to contribute to, fa to the family. And so it is like us with believers. There's a time when you shift from just coming to church to be fed, and you make that shift to pouring out, to giving away, to doing the work that God has called you to do, to contributing to the family. So anyway, this woman, I, I gave her that, that six-week notice, and she came to church every six weeks, and I really only gave her two tasks. I said, every time you come to church, you find two people and you bless them. And I don't care if you say hi to them, you hand them a donut, you give them a cup of coffee, whatever it is, but you bless those two people. So it was a proactive thing that she had to do. So she had to come in the door and she had to look for someone to bless and then make her approach and then bless them. And at the end of six weeks, I approached her and I said, so how's it going? And she said, oh, pastor, everything has changed so much. You know, there was this shift that she made from being a feeder to being a giver. And, and that's, that's a shift that all of us need to make. And this is a little bit what, what Jesus confronted in these people that came to him. As they were journeying on the road, someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus really looks at these people and he says, do you really understand what you're just saying? Because what you are saying means you are going to give up everything else that has a grip on your life. Don't get me wrong. To follow Jesus, I don't have to get rid of my house. But if, if what I seek first is my house, yeah, i got to get rid of my house. You know, what is the thing that holds me back? There are times Jesus says, when you follow God, you will have to let go things. You will have to be ready to let go things. Things that are high priority in the lives of the people of this world. You know, I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 6, and when Jesus was teaching his disciples about how to pray, one of the things he said to them is he said, don't just spew words like the pagans do. They think they're going to be heard for all of the words, the volume of words that they spew. And the other thing is he said, don't seek after, after wealth, after stuff like the pagans do. Don't chase that stuff. That is a definition. That's a hallmark of being an unbeliever. He said, in, instead, seek first the kingdom and righteousness of God. You know, the back end of Matthew chapter 6, right? And all these things will be added to you. So God knows your needs, but when you follow God, he may lead you into places where you let go of some things. But Jesus, you know, he was unencumbered. And I've been thinking a little bit about that lately. Uh, how nice it would be to be unencumbered. You know, I'm thinking maybe about <laughs> selling everything and grab, grab a half acre of land and maybe an old container and I can build a container house, right? Cheap. And then I can just, got no responsibilities. I can just go and teach. Um, I don't know if that's the way it's going to go. But Jesus said to this man, you don't know what you're saying. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to somebody else, who, who uh, to another person, follow me. And I think, you know, that's another thing. When we talk about God doing this, John 6, says, nobody comes to me, Jesus speaking, nobody comes to me except the Father draws him. 
when we see Jesus seeking out his disciples, he walked down the, the shores of the Lake of Galilee and he called out his disciples. You, that's one of the things that we want to be praying about. When we pray that God will send workers into the harvest, we're praying that God will put burdens on certain people. He will reach into your life quote and he will say, come and follow me do this thing, right? So Jesus, apparently, not everybody who he calls actually says yes. You know, there's a story of Catherine Kuhlman, who was an old uh, TV evangelist healer person back when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, the cost of following Jesus for her uh, was something a lot of people didn't realize. You know, um, they saw her on stage and they saw all the glorious meetings and all that kind of stuff. But following Jesus cost her a lot. It was difficult. And she said one time in, in one of her memoirs, as I read about this, she said, uh, she prayed one day and she said, God, why, this is so hard. Why did you call me? And she said, the response I got was the first 23 people said no. In other words, Catherine, you weren't my first choice, but you're the first one that said yes to the call. Fascinating. Right? Well, not everybody does say yes to the call. Many people turn aside. Jesus said, um, many are, uh, what is it? Many are called, but few are chosen. Um, in the sense that the chosen ones are the ones that say yes. Um, but God calls many, right? So not everybody says yes to God's call. Well, Jesus went on to the next one. He said, um, the guy says, Oh, yeah, this guy. Okay, so he says, Lord, this was his excuse. Let me first go and bury my father. So when Jesus says, follow me, the guy says, let me go first, bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And I think about that, you know, let the dead go and bury their own dead. This is where Jesus, this is one of the classic scriptures where Jesus is not what we would call pastoral. Um, you know, it sounds a little, uh, little insensitive. The guy's father is dead, and they're getting ready to bury him. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. What is he talking about? He's saying, you know, really, in essence, when somebody's dead, my father talked to me about this before he died. You know, at first he wanted this kind of a funeral, that kind of a funeral. And at the end of the day, he's going, I don't really care. He said, I just want Jesus to be preached. I don't care if you bury me. I don't care if you cremate me. He says, I'm dead. I'm going to be in heaven, and I ain't going to be caring, caring about that stuff. And this is one of the things Jesus says, too. You know, the things in this world, the things that the world sees as priority, are not the priorities of God. He says, let the spiritually dead. When he says, let the dead bury their own dead, he means let the spiritually dead do that stuff. You focus on eternity. You focus on life with God. Don't get distracted by the things of this world, you know. I preached at both my brother's funeral and I preached at my father's funeral. And people got saved at both funerals. And the reason that happened was because when I walked into those funerals to preach, I knew that it, it for me anyway, it wasn't about saying goodbye. I knew where my dad and my, and my brother were. To me, it was about sharing the message of hope with the people in that place that had no hope. So we have to have different priorities than this world uh, again. And another also said then, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go and bid, uh, bid farewell to those who are at my house. And Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So even those people, right, when we make the choice to follow Jesus, 
there will come up those, those competing things. And Jesus says, you have to commit one or another. Which way are you going to go? Are you going to follow him and carry through or are you not? And there are many of us, again, that we have to leave certain things behind. So after this, now we come to the word that Craig has been sharing with us. You know, we've just looked at a little passage called what uh, the cost of discipleship and the fact that to follow Jesus doesn't mean you just get a whole pile of blessing in terms of physical stuff. It actually can mean you have to give up a lot of stuff to follow him. Then he says uh, this, after these things, the Lord appointed 72 um, or 70 others <clears throat> and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Therefore, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, sack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to it. It will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter, and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near to you. So that little passage, that's an interesting passage. And so as I was looking at, at that passage, a couple of things stood out for me. Um, that God appointed them, right? So Jesus talked about the cost, and then he picked 70 people, and he appointed them. Um, I don't know how many people followed Jesus around, but a fairly, apparently there was a fairly good entourage. There were more than his apostles, uh, and Jesus picked all these people. He split them into 35 teams, uh, 70 divided by 2, and he sent them to all the villages that he was going to go preach at. And apparently their, their goal was to just simply walk into the village and start to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and who here needs healing. And uh, I don't know if you've ever done that kind of thing, but it's, uh, it's different. I, I've done that kind of thing in Tanzania where we, uh, we traveled across the country and we had a group of uh, African band members with us. We'd split into two teams. We each had a little brass band with us. We'd stop outside a village. And we would just get out of our trucks and we would walk into town playing a brass band. And they had one tune that they played and they played it over and over and over again. People would gather and then we would preach. And they would just, uh, the guys we were with would just say, you, you're preaching, go. And we would preach. And we carried a little, um, little microphone with a little loudspeaker that hung off your shoulder. And we would preach. And at the end of preaching, we would heal, so to speak. We would, who wants healing? And we would, they would gather people to pray for healing. And who needs deliverance? They would gather and they would do deliverance. And these Africans were pretty aggressive. They'd do deliverance right in the marketplace. Um, and stuff would happen. 
So this is the kind of thing that Jesus uh, told us to do. Uh, it, it, it told these guys to do. It was quite an aggressive thing, um, but he chose them and he sent them. So this is one of the things, you know, as we pray for people to be sent into the harvest, one of the things we are praying for is, God, choose some people and then appoint those people and send those people, right? So that was Jesus' next statement. Um, the harvest is great. That means um, really the issue that we face in this day and the issue that they faced in Jesus' day was not that there was not a hunger for God's word. I think oftentimes in the church, what we do is we say, well, you know, we, we sort of justify why there's not a lot of evangelism going on. We, we tend to look at people and say, well, there's, there's just not a hunger, right? That's not what this word says. There actually is a hunger. Um, and, you know, maybe the old ways of doing evangelism with the crusade evangelism, that, that sort of works in some of the third world. It doesn't really work here anymore. But there is a hunger. And for us, so one of the things that I've worked on over the years is, what is the hunger? I'm looking for the hunger. And, and I find that when I share about the heart of God, for instance, there is a hunger in people to know that God loves them. There is a hunger in people to know that God wants to be a part of their struggle. There is a hunger in people to know that there are other people out there that love them, right? So there is this hunger. And I think part of it for us is identifying that hunger. Jesus says, the harvest is truly great. There are many people ready to be brought into the kingdom. But the laborers are few. You know, and again, you know, as I look at my own background, well, I tell you what we did when I grew up, we, we paid a pastor to come in and do all that stuff. You know, we want a pastor. And I've actually been the pastor of churches where they said to me, you preach pretty good. We want to hire you in here and you will fill our pews. And I'm going, that ain't going to happen. You know, uh, I don't care how good the preacher is. If you people don't decide you're going to be friends with the people that come in, they will not stay. We need more than just one labor. We can't just hire one labor. You know, I got cousin, a cousin who uh, farms 22,000 acres. He does not hire one laborer to go into his harvest. He hires 20 guys and, you know, they go hard. So Jesus says we need more laborers. The question then is, are you, am I, are we ready to be laborers? You know, think about that, right? So if the harvest is great and Jesus calls us to be laborers, uh, that means we're going to see people come into our midst and want to join our body as well. And that means things are going to change, just like things are changing with this whole a way of doing ministry that we're doing right now, right? Um, Jesus says, pray. You know, who here, who here had babies? We've got a couple of ladies here who had babies. Every time you add a, add a baby to the family, everything changed, correct? That's true. So laborers, harvest. Um, as God sends people out, we carry a message that people are ready for and that they are hungry for. And then he says this, and he says, Go your way. I send you out as lambs among wolves. And I thought about John 10. What do lambs do? When Jesus 
uh, speaks to us in John 10, he calls himself the great shepherd. And he talks about the sheep of his flock or the lambs of his flock. And he talks about lambs who love the shepherd and follow the shepherd because they know him. And they stay tight to that shepherd because they know that in the shepherd is not only provision, safety, but there's protection there as well. The shepherd fights the wolves on behalf of the lambs. So, you know, again, you know, when we think about going out, it's not up to us to fight our circumstances. It's up to us to stay dependent on our shepherd. There will be wolves that will come at us. And every time a wolf comes at us, a threat comes at us, our response is, dear Jesus, I'm under your blood. Dear Jesus, I'm in your hands. Dear Jesus. And sometimes God will allow difficult circumstances. But every difficult circumstance, when we trust God, it will have a redemptive element. There will be some opportunity to further the kingdom. He goes on, he says, carry neither money bag, sack, nor sandals, greet no one along the road. In other words, stay focused on your purpose. What are you there for? You know, I think about Jesus. They, times when they took Jesus aside and they said, Lord, don't go anywhere. You've got to stay with us. And Jesus says, no. I got to go to the next place because I got to preach at the next place. This is what I was called for. So sometimes, you know, I've met people who have got, they've started following God and they get distracted from their call and they drift away from that call and then God has to bring them back, right? So stay focused. Don't get, don't get distracted. And that's one of the challenges, right? That's one of the, actually, I think about Luke chapter 8 when he talks about the uh, parable of the sower and he talks about how the weeds grow up around certain types of seed in certain types of soil and those weeds are the pressures of the world the deceit of wealth and riches and the pressures of the world grow up and choke out that seed so it bears no fruit and really what he's talking about is the things of the world that become distractions so if you have debts maybe it's time to sell something get out of debt so you're not distracted so much by the debt if you have um a whole bunch of other stuff in your life like me right now it's making me think i got two houses in my life and I'm, i've really been struggling with this lately because it's like that other stupid house i got takes so much work it's distracting i need to get rid of a house all right so you know whatever those distractions are don't let it take over your focus and pull you away from him because it will do what luke 8 says it will strip away your ability to be fruitful for god because all your energy goes into those distractions and your energy will begin to stop going into doing the work God's called you to do, right? So it says, anyway, as you go, as, as you carry neither money bag, don't carry any provisions. If God is leading you, then God can provide for you. And this has been one of our prayers over the years. And I got to be honest, I've stressed out about this more sometimes and less other times, right? But it's a growing curve. When God calls you, one of the prayers that I pray is, Lord, I will know that I'm following you because you will provide for us. And God always provides. He always provides. Sometimes I don't know how it turned out that he provided, but he always provides. And that's one of the ways that somebody knows that you are being carried forward by God. It's because God provides. So he says, go into the house. Uh, go into the one you enter, uh, say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. 
remember one time when we were, I was with a couple other ministers and we were up in, uh, uh, what is it? Grand Prairie. We're up in Grand Prairie, Alberta. And we walked into this house and uh, they were keeping us where at a, at a minister's conference for a week. And this passage <coughs> came to us as we walked into the house. So we asked the housewife and, uh, and her hubby if we could pray for their house. And we prayed, dear Lord Jesus, we speak your peace over this house. Bring your peace on this house. Well, we didn't really know what was going on in that house. Turned out there was a lot of difficulty happening in that home right about then. But as we prayed, the peace of God came into the house and the lady of the house just began to sob uncontrollably. And, and uh, the man uh, began to leak a little bit and we had this amazing encounter with God in that place. They were people of peace. What is a person of peace? person of peace is somebody somebody who's dedicated to the prince of peace and they're not just dedicated to no uh warfare so to speak in this world as we know warfare they are dedicated to bringing the gospel of peace into this world that is what a person of peace is so when you have somebody and you come into their house and they are a person of peace person who has accepted the gospel of peace, who, a person who, who seeks the peace that comes from Jesus, the peace that, that, comes, uh, that passes all understanding, that ends the enmity between God and man, all that sort of stuff, right, that brings eternity. That is the kind of person that will receive what you have to give, a person that's hungry for that. Again, it says not everybody is hungry. And so if you walk into a house and you try to give it your peace, they don't want you, your peace, it'll come back to you. Your, peace, your blessing will return to you. Okay? Um, and you may move on to another house. Anyway, he says, don't get focused on, on how things go there. Keep your focus on declaring the kingdom of God. Uh, don't go from house to house. Uh, eat what, you, what, you, what you're given. You know, I've had some interesting experiences there. I've been in places where I've been given pretty good stuff. To eat. You know, I think about last time I went to the Congo, a couple of rich guys took me out for lunch. They took me out um, on the, uh, what was it, on the beach near uh, to a beach restaurant on, the, on Lake Kivu, and they fed me some pretty fancy stuff. And then I think about in the bush in Mwasi in Tanzania. And we ate some pretty basic stuff, like like goat's intestine, right? That kind of stuff. <laughs> I loved it. It was so good. You know, eat whatever they give you to eat, right? I remember one time we took a team of people into Ecuador, uh, and there were teenagers there. <laughs> and in Ecuador, if they like you, they would serve you boiled eggs, which is pretty good. You know, it's not so bad. But then they would also serve you roasted kui, which is guinea pig. And these queer, like they got the teeth on, the claws on, everything, right? They've been a fence post stuck up their butt and they've been roasted over a fart. And, uh, and some of our kids were a little squeamish about this. And I'm going, you have to eat what they give you. Because if we don't eat what they give you, we're, we disrespect them. Eat what they give you and be happy about it. You know, um, anyway. So as we, as we go into these places where God takes us, it's not about really, you know, it's not really about what you eat. What, what Jesus is saying is, don't focus on what you can get. And it's back to this story of this lady in my first church. As long as she came 
looking for what she could get. She was disappointed because somehow it always fell short of her expectations. Instead, be happy with what you've been, what you get, be blessed by it, and seek to give something. Proclaim the kingdom of God is near. And that's one of the things Jesus says in this passage. Regardless of whether your peace is received, regardless of whether your peace is not received, proclaim that the kingdom of God has come near to you. What does that mean? It means, you know what? Jesus is in the room right now. Because you are here, because I am here, Jesus is in the room. And he wants to give you something. First, he wants to give you eternity. And second, he wants to give you a blessing. He wants to come into your darkness, defeat something in your life, and bring peace there. Are you interested? You know, you'd be amazed at how many people are interested in that. So, so anyway, this is the message of Jesus. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. It's white unto the harvest, another translation says. White means ripe wheat. It's ready to fall out of the, it's ready to be taken. And if you don't have enough harvesters, it all goes to waste. It falls, dies in the ground, it all goes to waste. We want harvesters. We want people to go out. There are people hungry for the message of the love of God in Christ. Hungry for the message of the fact that he has brought peace between them and God. You know, Colossians 1.20 on the cross, he, he made peace between us and God. He is, people are hungry for that. We can't hire one guy to do it. We got to do it ourselves. When I was in Tanzania, it was interesting. I'll close up with this. Um, the Tanzanian church that I worked with was an international church. Um, they were based in Tanzania, but they had outreach arms into about five other countries around Tanzania. And I remember asking them why they were growing so fast. They were one of the fastest growing churches in the world. And the bishop that I was working with said, simple, because our people, our people do the ministry. Our people in the church take the basic gospel out into their communities. They don't just leave it to the pastors. So God is calling us. God wants us. How can we do this? Each of us can learn that message of peace. And each of us can share that message of peace. Um, and the call is to stay focused on that calling. You know, you only you can only give what you've been given. And as I go back in this passage here, it says this. The Lord appointed 70. He sent them two by two into the city. And he appointed them basically to do ministry. If you look at the, uh, the, I think it's the Matthew version of this. It says he appointed them to preach and heal. And you, you don't have to give what you haven't been given. You only give what Jesus has given you to give. So that doesn't mean you have to heal everybody. But if Jesus has anointed you for that, that's what you do. You do share the message because Jesus has given all of us the message. Maybe you have different gifts. Use those gifts. What have you been given? Give that. And Jesus will use you. Let's pray. God Almighty, we tell you we love you. We thank you for your call to us. And Father, you know where some of us, we struggle with letting things go. And we struggle with, uh, you know, the world has its pull on us. And we have priorities. 
And Lord, especially some of us that are older, as we get older and we look at, you know, securing our future and our retirements and stuff, it gets tough to not get pulled in the direction the world wants to pull us. Father, we need to trust you, that you will take care of us. You have called us, you have anointed us, and we want to be those who go out and give what you've given us to give. So pour out your spirit on us, Lord. Continue to change our hearts. Uh, continue to bring us opportunity um, that we might be the people of peace, people who declare that the kingdom of God has come near to you. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.